John chapter 8, what was just read to us from a few minutes ago. And uh, when I was a boy, our family took a vacation one time. We went out to New Mexico and we took a tour through a cave. Any of you ever been in a cave before? It's pretty interesting, isn't it? Underground, looking at all those things. Well, this was what they called an undeveloped cave, so they didn't have all the lights and all of the pathways and all that stuff built in. You had to take your own flashlight. And uh, I was, remember very excited as a boy that I got to get my own flashlight. In fact, I think before that trip, we went out and all got to purchase our own flashlight, make sure we had our own batteries and all that. When you're a small child, that's really exciting to have a flashlight. And so uh, we were instructed, you know, I think you can't use this under the, under the covers at night to read books and things like that. This is for when we go into the cave. I still remember my flashlight. It was a little black plastic flashlight with a little white knob on the side to turn it on and off and had these little ribs. You just got that flashlight. just felt good in your hand. But they took us down into this cave and we hiked for a ways and we looked at the different formations, the stalactites, which hang from the ceiling. We learned that because it holds on tight. And the stalagmites that grow up from the floor and we saw the columns where some of those had grown together and we saw all kinds of things. We learned about bat poop and stuff like that too, you know, all kind of interesting things that go on in caves. And then they got us down deep into this cave and they said, all right, everybody find a seat. So we all sat down. They said, we're all going to turn our lights off because they wanted to show us how dark it really was. And so we did. We got to our place. We sat down in our seats and they, we all turned our flashlights off. Of course, this was I am old enough. This was in the day before there was a glow of a cell phone in someone's pocket or anything else. So it was actually really dark. So dark, in fact, that you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. You couldn't see anything at all. In fact, I still remember they told us a story about a man who had gone down into a cave and using a radio he had programmed his camera to leave the shutter open on his camera for something like two weeks. And so he went down in the cave, opened the, sh and, and went far away from his camera where no light would get back to it. He pressed a button to open the shutter remotely on his camera. And the story goes, he came back a couple weeks later and he was able to get the camera and then go and develop the film. Yes, that kids, that used to happen. People had to develop film. And, uh, he said it was completely black. There was no light whatsoever, just completely dark in that cave. Now, I remember when the light was out, and it, I'm sure it was out for just a few seconds, but boy, was I glad when we turned the lights back on. In fact, my finger was itching on the button over there, just ready to turn my flashlight back on because I don't like pitch black. Anybody else with me? Okay. Uh, you might like it dim or quiet or, you know, mood lighting or something like that. But I don't think most of us like it to be pitch black. When we wake up in the night, what's the first thing we usually do? Try to turn a light on unless you have small children, and then you just trip and bang your toes on things and try to avoid waking them up until you take a mighty crash on the floor, and it doesn't work very well. But we love light because light helps us to see things. And so it's a wonderful illustration of who Jesus is when he calls himself the light of the world. The Bible says in John 8 and verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. 
Jesus makes this statement here. He says, I am the light of the world. Jesus brings light to the world. And this verse is very instructive for us. Verse 12, we're going to spend just a little bit of time here this morning looking at this verse. Think about it. What does light bring? Without light, we don't have life very often, do we? If you're going to grow a plant, generally it requires some light for that plant to grow. Light brings illumination along a path, doesn't it? It helps us to see where we're going. And you've been in the woods at night and it's dark and you're hiking along somewhere. Whoever has the light, boy, they have the power, don't they? Because everybody wants to be around the light in case there's a snake going across your path or in case there's a root that's going to trip you up. Light brings safety too, right? I mean, at night, I was driving back, in fact, late last night, so after the carnival was over, we went home, took showers, washed all the carnival off, and then we took our kids over to my parents' house, dropped them off, and then we, Shandy and I got to go visit baby Penelope. If you haven't heard, Cindy had her baby yesterday morning, about 4.30 in the morning. Baby Penelope Lane, Tesla, were very, I got to hold her last night. Oh, it was so wonderful. She's a lot smaller than my babies ever were when they were born. So it's fun to hold your own babies, but it's so fun to hold one of those teeny tiny newborns that's just a few hours old. And we got to pray with her and we just got to have a great time with her. And we just enjoyed being with her last night. So it was kind of late when we got home last night as we were seeing this baby. But as we were driving home up Shepherd, we came up north of 610, and uh, we passed by the Sears over here, and all the lights in the parking lot were off. My wife said, what's going on over there? Why? Because it's dark. We got on up, you know, in the, in the fitness place just north of uh, Cross Timbers there, 43rd. All the lights are on. What does light do? It gives you safety, doesn't it? When there's light somewhere, you can see what's going on. It brings safety. Light brings health. Vitamin D is good for you. Now, too much sun, we know, can be bad. You can get cancer. That's not a good thing. But light, we need light to have good health. Light is very important to us. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now, the time that this is happening, when Jesus made this statement, is during the Feast of Tabernacles. They say, what is that? Well, the Jews, back many years prior to this, remember they had left Egypt. They had been in slavery in Egypt. And when they left Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness. Of course, we know they crossed the Red Sea. They spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And they lived in tents, or what are sometimes called in the Bible, tabernacles. And so the Jews had this special feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was to remember the time that they had wandered in the wilderness. Now, one of the things that would happen during the Feast of Tabernacles, especially in the evening time, is they would light the candles that would be there in the city around the temple. And the temple would be lit up with all of these candles. And it was a beautiful sight. So you kind of imagine that. The city, the sun's going down, it's getting dark, this back before the days of electric lights, and maybe people had their little oil lamps in their houses and things like this, but then the beautiful candles are lit there around the temple, and Jesus, in the midst of all this, steps out and says, I am the light of the world. 
What a striking statement that would be in the midst of what was going on at that moment of time. The city's lit up, and Jesus makes this great declaration that he's the light. So notice what he says, though. He says, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth me. Right? When there's light shining, we generally will follow or go towards the light. No, I know you're not a bug, right? You're like, oh, I got to see the light and go get zapped by the light. But we go towards light. We generally do. See, following Jesus means that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is the way. Walking with Jesus is walking in the light. He says, if you follow me, you shall not walk in darkness. The reality today, people, is that many people are walking in darkness. Without Jesus, I'm in darkness. Without Jesus, you're in darkness. Jesus is the light of the world, and without him, we're in darkness. When we go our own way, what does it bring? Darkness. When we get off the path, what happens? Darkness. We can't see where to go. We can't see where we're supposed to be. Instead, we are in Darkness. If we're following Jesus, this means walking in the light. Believing in Jesus is really just the starting line. That's the starting point that says, okay, Jesus is the light, and now I'm going to follow him. To walk in the light is to continue to follow Jesus. See, he calls us to follow him, to stay with him. Many people say, well, yes, I believe that Jesus exists. I know he's out there, but it's more just a mental ascent. Okay, he exists. Now Jesus says, no, he, you need to follow me. Life is not just a, a moment, right? It's a whole bunch of moments strung together. It's a journey, some people call it. It's a period of time. And following Jesus, this is relational, right? To follow someone, you have a relationship with them. It's not just somebody you saw in a moment. It's somebody that you are with. He says, to follow me. To follow me. Jesus says here, though, in this verse, he says, I am the light of what? The world. See, Jesus is the light for the whole globe, not just a specific group. He says he's the light of the world. He came to bring light to this world. Some religions, some individuals say, well, you can follow my religion, but you have to be part of this particular group, or you need to be from this particular place. Jesus offers a light that is available to anyone and everyone who follows him. Jesus is the light of the world. See, there are people today, and maybe you're one of them, who says, well, I know Jesus is good. I understand that Jesus was, uh, is God, and I understand that Jesus forgives, but I don't think he could do it for me. Jesus is the light of the world. If you're in darkness this morning, Jesus will be your light if you will follow him. Jesus is the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. This world is filled with moral and spiritual darkness, isn't it? I think it's hard for us to tell sometimes how dark the world really is when we just live in it day to day. But we're better able to understand the darkness of the world when we compare it to the light of Christ, aren't we? Have you ever been in a room where the lights have been kind of dim? 
And then all of a sudden you walk outside, you're in the sunlight, and you're blinking and trying to get your eyes readjusted. Why? Because you were in a place and you didn't really notice that it was that dark. But when you got outside, all of a sudden now you're able to see because the light is so much brighter. See, Jesus is the light of the world. Many people, you might hear me say this this morning, well, they're walking in darkness. Well, I don't feel like I'm walking in darkness. I feel like I'm just fine. You don't realize your darkness sometimes until you're exposed to the real light, the light of Jesus Christ. Then there are some people that say, well, you know, if Jesus is the light of the world, if God's going to bring this light and help people, then why do people still walk in darkness? Someone asked Billy Graham, if Christianity is valid, then why is there so much evil in this world? I thought his answer was good. He said, well, with so much soap, why are there so many dirty people in the world? See, it doesn't work unless you apply it, right? Unless you use it. Light doesn't help us unless we follow it. Unless we look to it, unless we walk in it. Jesus is the light of the world. He brings light to this dark world. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That verse is full of contrast, doesn't it? Isn't it? It's full of opposites. Good for evil, evil for good, light for darkness, darkness for light. Bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This doesn't make sense. Why do people live like that? Because they don't follow the light. Jesus is the light of the world. Something else we know about light. Light is very overt, right? Darkness is, that's where we think about covert things going on. Jesus comes and he brings light. He brings truth. He brings hope. He stands out where people can see him. Darkness is where people sneak around and do the things that they want to do. Think about some of the disciples, right? We, we read about overt and covert people all over the place. Peter in the Bible, he was overt. He, he spoke and he said whatever was coming into his mind sometimes, and it wasn't always right. Judas was covert. He was sneaking around, stealing money quietly doing wrong. Jesus knew what he was doing. The rest of the disciples didn't. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, that's with Jesus, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all Sin. Did you hear that statement? That the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin? Again, some people say, well, but my sin is really bad. You don't know what I've done. Or I used to follow Jesus or say that I followed Jesus and now I'm not. Will Jesus take me back? He says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And then he says here, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. I've heard people say this. You've heard people say this. Well, I'm okay. I don't need that. I'm doing fine. If we say we have no sin, 
we're deceiving ourselves. We all know that it's wrong to tell a lie, right? It's wrong to tell somebody something that's not true. But have you ever lied to yourself? Well, the Bible says you can lie to yourself by saying that you don't have any sin. If we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, but he says in verse 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. That's saying to Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm wrong. I've broken your law. I'm in darkness. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is no such thing as a healthy, joyful, hopeful, fruitful relationship with God without Jesus Christ. We need to walk in the light. If you're married, right? You need to walk in the light. You need to be truthful. You need to let people know what's going on. Your wife, your husband. Walk in the light. Jesus says, I'm the light of of the world. He that walketh and followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That last word, life. Life. We celebrate life, right? Last night I got to hold a new baby. We celebrate that. It was great. It was sweet. She was crying and fussing a little bit. When I got to hold her, I thought, oh, great. Because Shandy had been holding her a long time. Of course, she's perfect with Shandy, and she's not crying with my wife. And everybody's happy, and everybody's good. And then they say, well, would you like to hold her for a minute? Well, of course I want to hold her for a minute. I said, don't worry, I've washed the carnival off. I'm clean now. I can hold your baby if you want me to. And so they give me the baby, I hold her, and she starts to fuss. And I thought, oh, great. But this encouraged me because when we all gathered and we prayed, she stopped crying. So I don't know if she just a soothing voice or whatever, but uh, that made me feel better about it. But we love to celebrate life, don't we? We give gifts. We, some of you are making meals, right? We're trying to be a blessing to them. We enjoy celebrating life. Even when somebody passes away, what do we usually call it? We call it a celebration of life. You don't hear somebody say, well, we're going to get together and celebrate death today. No, we celebrate life. Jesus says, I will give you life if you follow me. So then that really points this truth out. If Jesus gives us life, then what do we have without Jesus? No life at all, right? Death. Jesus brings light to the world. But in this conversation, as Jesus makes this statement, he has some people that come to him and begin to question him and begin to talk to him about it. See, anytime somebody makes a big, strong statement about something, there are often people that come and try to argue or detractors that come and try to take away from it. And especially Jesus experienced this because everything Jesus said was true. And so when Jesus makes this statement that he is the light of the world, they're looking at him thinking, wait a minute, we don't think we like this statement because if Jesus is the light of the world, then what does that mean the rest of us are, right? We're in darkness. Well, in the next several verses here, beginning in verse 13, we see these religious leaders come and they begin to talk to him and question him. Verse 13, the Pharisees therefore said unto him, thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. 
you're telling us who you are, but you are not being truthful. Why did they say that? Well, Jesus is going to point this out in the next couple verses. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I came and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh. Right? We can only see what we can see. I, I can only see you this morning. I don't know what's going on inside of you. I can see your outward appearance. The Bible says God looks on the heart. Jesus says, you're judging after the flesh. Jesus says, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, verse 16, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. So this is why they were telling him that what he said was not true. They said, well, you can't be your own witness, right? They said, in our law, you have to have at least two witnesses that agree. Now think about this. This is the book of John. What happened just a few chapters ago, we read about as Jesus, as he begins his earthly ministry, he goes down to the Jordan River. This was a big river that ran right through the countryside that everybody knew about. And there was a man there that people had really begun to hear about because he was preaching and teaching and he had amassed quite a following of people. His name was John the Baptist, right? And John the Baptist is preaching about the truth and he's baptizing people who believe in the truth and Jesus comes to him and he asks to be baptized by John the Baptist, right? And Jesus goes down into the water. John the Baptist, Baptist baptizes him. Jesus comes up out of the water. Do you remember what happened next? If you don't remember, it's okay. I'll tell you. Okay. Jesus comes up out of the water, and all of a sudden, there's a voice from heaven. The Bible tells us it's the voice of God, and he looks down and he says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, descended down from heaven. These people are saying Jesus doesn't have a witness. He had God speak from heaven and say, this is my son. Jesus is looking at these people. You say, I only have one witness. No, I have two. God the Father has spoken. And I am God. I'm his son. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus had plenty of witness to who he was. But even his own works testified of who he was, what he did, the miracles that he performed, the ways that he healed people and brought people back to life who had been dead. Just prior to this, he had fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. He had walked on the water. He had done all these things, and yet they still looked at him. And when he said, I'm the light of the world, they said, wait a minute, your witness isn't true. You can't bear witness of yourself. And Jesus is making this statement, I can bear witness of myself because I come from a place that you don't know about. I am one that you have not followed. You don't know who I am. Jesus says in verse 16, Yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. 
Jump down to verse 18. Jesus says, I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy Father? Jesus answered him, Ye neither know me nor my Father. Now think about it. Who's Jesus speaking to here? He's speaking to people who thought of themselves as incredibly religious people. And he's telling them, you don't even know who my father is. I mean, imagine if somebody walked into this church this morning, looked at all of you and said, you don't even know who God is. What would it make you think? It would catch your attention, wouldn't it? Wait a minute. Yes, we do. Look at us. We're sitting here in church this morning. We drank our coffee this morning. We ate our donuts this morning. We got dressed this morning. We came to church this morning. We sang songs this morning. We listened to the Bible being read this morning. We've prayed this morning. Of course we know God. Who are you to say that? But the reality is this, folks. There are many people living in the darkness of religion. And that's what Jesus is pointing out to these people. Religion on its own is darkness. Well, no. How, how could it be, right? That's really kind of the attitude you can sense is coming from these people. Jesus said, Ye neither know me nor my Father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. No man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. See, Jesus exposes darkness even in religion. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. This morning, folks, the idea is not to just convert to another religion. Religion didn't help you before. It's not going to help you now. The idea is to have a relationship with Jesus, to follow Jesus. The religious leaders, they represented themselves as people who knew God and spoke God's word, and yet they opposed God. Religion sometimes opposes God in the name of God, doesn't it? Because there is darkness in religion. Jesus tells these people, you don't even know who God is. See, religion is darkness. It, it can come to discredit or destroy Jesus as the light of the world. There are religions all around the world, and people say, well, what's wrong with this religion? You have your religion, I have my religion. We all just have different religions, and it's okay because we're all trying to get to God. And Jesus is making a statement here that helps us understand why it matters. It's not about your religion, my religion, those, the religion of those people over there. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So if you want light, you have to follow Jesus. Not a religion, not a person, not a culture, not a way. You must follow Jesus. And when we begin to walk in something, well, this is just what I'm used to or this is what I'm known. Folks, just because you're used to it and just because you know it doesn't make it bad, but it doesn't necessarily make it good, right? 
Because when we follow a religion, rather than having a relationship with Jesus, we are walking in darkness. Religion also judges rather than welcomes Jesus to judge. When Jesus begins to speak, they immediately judge his statements and they take out and they begin to judge what he's saying. Folks, if Jesus is the light of the world, then we need to let him be the judge. This week we got to paint some, some rooms and we got to paint the trim on Larry's house. I was so glad to get that done. His home had flooded during Hurricane Harvey, and we were able to help him get it rebuilt. And we got him moved back in, but things have been going on. You know a lot in Larry's life and a lot with us. And so we just hadn't had time to go back and get the exterior trim painted on the house. So we had nice new siding, nice new windows, nice new doors, and old chipped ugly trim around the outside. So with the help of our wonderful group this week, we got to go over and we got to paint the trim on the house, and that was great. Some of us got to go over to another house and help to paint some rooms on the inside. Have you ever painted fresh in a room and you thought it looked good when you finished at about 10 o'clock at night? And then you came in the next morning when the sun was shining bright into the room through the window and all of a sudden you see all the stuff you missed? Why? Because the light came on. You were walking in darkness before. You just didn't know you were in darkness because you were tired and your eyes were only half open anyway. But when you shine a bright light, you can see the imperfections and what is going on. Jesus is the light of the world. And when we shine the light of Christ into this world, into the darkness, it shows the problems that are there. It shows the imperfections and the insufficiencies of the things of this world, including religion. Jesus is our judge as the light of the world. But too many times we want to judge Jesus, don't we? Well, I don't think that's fair for God to do that. Who are you to judge what God can or can't do? He's God. Quit trying to put him into your box and say, this is the way he ought to act because I'm the judge here. No, you're not. We're here to let God be the light in our lives and point things out to us to guide and direct us. Just like if we were to walk into that room after it was painted and we were in the dark and we said, see, doesn't it look great around here? And you go, what are you talking about? Why don't we turn the lights on and see what it really looks like? Let Jesus turn on the light in your life and be your judge. And don't try to judge the one who is the light of the world. First, judge yourself. Jesus is pointing out here, he says, I judge no man. He says, I didn't come here to judge you, I just came to bring the light. Religion sometimes seeks to use God's word for control rather than relationship. These religious leaders were pointing out to things in their in their law in the Old Testament that said, well, you need two witnesses. They were trying to control Jesus with the word of God rather than just letting Jesus speak to them and speak the truth to them. God's word is always true. God's word never contradicts itself. But sometimes people try to use God's word to control other people by twisting its meaning, by pulling it out of context, and by using it as their own authority rather than letting God speak as the authority. Folks, I'm thankful for God's Word. 
It's true from beginning to end. You can read from Genesis all the way to Revelations, and there's no contradictions. We may think there may be. We may say, well, there's some things I don't understand. That's, that's very possible. But there's a lot of things I don't understand. Yesterday, I got to hear Pastor Steve as we were, as the guys were packing up and cleaning up after the carnival, and a couple of them had come in, and they said, you know, we, this is interesting. We've never been to an event like this. They told me this before they talked to Pastor Steve. He said, we've never been to one that, that just has soothing, nice, upbeat music that's not blasting our eardrums out. And I said, well, good. I'm glad. We just want to be an encouragement to folks, and there are a lot of little kids here, and I like my eardrums. You know, it's, it's a good thing. Well, from that, there was then a conversation that continued on, and they had some questions about some things, some questions about Noah's Ark. How, that, how could that really happen? How did they really fit all the animals in the ark? Is it really possible? I mean, folks, if we're honest, are there things we read in God's Word and we say, how, how did that all happen like that? And I love Pastor Steve's answer. He said, the first thing that it requires when it comes to God's word, it always requires faith. Amen. To believe that God is bigger than you are. That God is in charge and you're not. That he can do, way, do things that are far beyond what you can imagine. That his ways are not your ways. That his wisdom is far greater than your wisdom. And just because I can't figure it out or you can't figure it out doesn't mean that God doesn't do it. He can do whatever he wants. He's God. But too many times religion tries to judge God and say who he should be rather than let God be the judge. Too many times religion some even uses God's word to try to control who God is and say who he is rather than let God be in control Religion also doesn't understand God's will or God's timing. Religion tries to say, this is the way it has to be because this is the way I understand it to be. Jesus here at the end, it says that they didn't lay hands on him because it wasn't yet his time. What did Jesus come to do? The Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he did that saving through his death on the cross. And then his burial and then his resurrection, right? You say, well, they were mad at him. Why didn't they take him right then and kill him? Because it wasn't his time yet. And folks, when you try to control Jesus or you try to control God and say, why hasn't God done this yet? If he was really God, he would work this out. He would fix this for me. He would solve all my problems. He would make me happy and he would heal this person and he would fix everything that's wrong in the world. It's not time yet. Let him work according to his time. Religion doesn't understand God's will or God's timing. A relationship is based on trust. I have a good relationship with my wife because I trust my wife. I'm not worried about what she's doing right now because I trust her. I know she's here at church this morning. She's taking care of some of your children in the nursery this morning. But earlier this morning, she called me and said, I'm running a little late. I'm not going to be there. I wasn't worried about that because I trust her. If she had to do something, I know she had to do something, right? Relationships are built on trust. And your relationship with God, if it's a good relationship with God, it must be based in trust, in faith that he's God and he's in charge. It might not make, it might not make sense on your timing.
your schedule. Religion seeks to control and dictate to God what he should do and when he should do it. But he's God. Let him be the light. Religion brings darkness when it's about the religion and not about the relationship with God. These people tried to put an identity on Jesus by saying, well, what you're saying is not truthful. People may try to put an identity on you. Well, you go to that church, you do this, or I saw you, and well, this must be who you are. People can put all kinds of things on you. Just don't let them put it in you, right? They may call you a liar, but don't lie. They, They may say that you're unkind or rude. Don't be rude. Do everything you can to do right. Treat others the way God would have you treat them. Jesus, over and over and over again, had the religious leaders come to him, question him, be angry with him, call him a liar. And over and over and over again, Jesus responds with truth, with truth, with truth. It's so easy to get drawn in sometimes, isn't it, into darkness? Somebody's calling you names, treating you badly, questioning your motives. Let God take care of all that. He will. Jesus was faithful to do this. So we see, folks, that religion can bring darkness, but this isn't the end of the passage. I want to go through just a few more verses this morning because not only does religion bring darkness, but culture is darkness. Jesus deals with this. Verse number 21, he says, Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then he said, And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Too many times we try to judge God and get our view of who God is based on our culture. And Jesus makes it very clear here. He says, the problem is you're from beneath. You're from down here on this earth. And we see everything through a frame of reference, right? I can look out those doors and see the parking lot right now. And all I can really see is the back of the Avid coffee truck. But you know, there's more than the Avid coffee truck outside, right? But why can't I see more? Because of my perspective. Where I'm standing and where that window is, that's all I can see. But I know, based on experience, that there's a lot more than that outside. But see, we live in a culture, right? We live in a world that has a certain way of doing things. We live in a country that has certain sort of understandings about things. And, and some of you are from other countries, and so you have a little bit different perspective because you've lived in a different culture, right? Some of you have, speak different languages. Some of you grew up in different places. Some of you grew up in homes where you had mom and dad and brothers and sisters. Some of you were an only child. Some of you, your parents have passed away. Some of you grew up without any parents. Some of you were raised by your grandparents. Some of you had all kinds of different things going on, right? And that all determines our culture, doesn't it? And our culture often is where we get our perspective for how we look at things. It's our 
frame of reference, or I like to think of it as a window, right? So when we look through a window, we can only see what we can see based on where the window is and where we are in relation to that window. And see, Jesus is pointing out here to these people, you're not seeing things properly. You don't understand properly because you're from beneath. Your perspective is a beneath perspective. He says, I'm from above. Culture is darkness. These people were from the culture, yet Jesus says, I'm from the kingdom. I'm from God. He says, I'm from above. Jesus is not of this world. See, when it comes to culture, there's, there's a great battle that goes on in our world as cultures collide and cultures clash, right? And I'm so thankful for a church that God has given us where we have people from a variety of cultures. That's a blessing. Why? Because Jesus transcends culture because he's from above. But see, it's hard and it's so natural and it's so easy for us. And I'm sure we already do it in ways without even meaning to, right? If we took our church right now and we picked it up and we moved it a few thousand miles south or a few thousand miles north or we moved it maybe even just a few blocks away, all of a sudden we may say, wow, we've got a lot of cultural things here that don't help us very much in trying to communicate with somebody else because they're in a totally different culture. Culture can often bring darkness to us because it takes away some of our ability to understand things properly. That's why we must keep a kingdom perspective. A kingdom perspective. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said these words, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because it's not about culture up, right? Taking our culture and trying to take it to make the difference. It's about bringing what God has told us in his word about his kingdom, about his glory, and bringing it down to impact the culture. See, our culture doesn't need to infect or change our belief in God. Our belief in God ought to change how we view our culture. We live in a world today where people are say, well, I'm progressive or I'm conservative. And, you know, they're going in different directions, these way, things. And sometimes this is based in culture. Some conservatives say, well, the world is falling apart. We need to just go back to the good old days when everything was good. Folks, the good old days aren't always as good as we remember them to be. I'm not saying there aren't some things that we've gotten away with. There are some wonderful things that we've lost, I believe, in our culture. But the answer is not to fix the culture with more culture. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 10 says, Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes was written by the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon. And God inspired him to write these words. He says, don't just say, well, the old days were the good days and the days now are the bad days. And so often there's a fight in our culture and a clash between the conservatives and the progressives as we both have different views of culture. Some people on the progressive liberal side, they just say, we just need to go forward. Everything in the 
past was bad. We just need to change it all. Those were the dark days. The good days are ahead. This is sort of an evolutionary psychology point of view, right? That the human brain and, and uh, our way of thinking about things just continues to improve and get better and better and better. C.S. Lewis, the writer in apologetics, calls this cultural snobbery. That we want to look down on any other culture that was in the past or behind us and say, well, we're obviously better than they right? Cultural chronological snobbery. So the question, do we go backward or do we go forward? I think Jesus says, no, option number three, let's go up. Let's be like Jesus. Let's follow the light. Jesus is from above. We're down here beneath. Our perspective is limited even by our culture. At the end of the day, it all comes down to Jesus. Religion can bring darkness. Even traditional culture can bring darkness. Why? You say, but aren't traditional values good? I'm not here to preach against traditional values. But the point I'm making is if our hope is in traditional values, that's not real hope. It's darkness because we feel good about ourselves because we're doing good things or what we call good things. And we're no different than someone who's progressive or liberal in their thinking who also feels like, well, we're doing good things. See, that's why there's so much argument and back and forth so many times. And you say, well, why can't these people just get along and agree? They're actually both trying to do what they say is good, but they have two different definitions of good. And there will never be any agreement when they're both just pushing for their own set of values. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, my only measure, my only standard, my only judge should be, what does Jesus say? What does he want me to do? Well, that church over there, I know, we're different, okay. We have different perspectives, we're coming a different way. But if I'm going to be honest and righteous before God, then I need to say, okay, I know this may be how I grew up, I know this may be what I've called myself, I know this may, but what does the Bible say? If God's word says it, then I need to do it. Why? Because I'm not the judge. He is. I'm not the light. Jesus is the light of the world. So please understand my heart in this. I'm not trying to speak ill of something that you love or something that's special to you or way that you grew up. I love the way I grew up. I'm thankful for it. If I had to go back and do it over again, I'd do it the same way over again. Some of you might change some things about the past. Okay. What I'm trying to help us is, is our perspective, if we're going forward, is not going forward in our values or our position. It's saying, what does Jesus want? And following him. Here's where we have to be careful, because sometimes then people will step in and say, well, let me tell you. No, that means you need to be in God's word so you know what God says. 
I read a statement this week. I was doing some study for this. And one particular religion in their church, they talked about how bad it was for their people, their members, their parishioners, whatever you want to call them, how bad it was for them to read God's word for themselves. Because they said they might get an idea that's different from what the church is saying. Folks, that's darkness that comes through religion. That's why we try to read God's Word together. We study God's Word together. We want to help you even to study God's Word one-on-one with somebody else or in a group. That's why we meet so many times a week to study God's Word because it matters what God says. Not what I say. It all comes down to Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. So here's the question. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe on, on Him and what He says? He knows everything about you. He sees everything about you. He loves you. He came to this world to bring light to this world, to bring light to a dark place, to have a relationship with you. Jesus pursues. He is desiring to reach those who are lost in darkness. The darkness doesn't trouble Jesus because Jesus is the light of the world. I wasn't afraid of the darkness when I had my little flashlight because I have my light. But let me tell you, if the batteries went out, (laughs) now I'd be afraid. But when you have the light, you're not afraid of the darkness. Folks, we don't, if you're walking in the light, if you're following Jesus, you have no need to fear. You're with the light. You have the light of Christ. Do you believe in Jesus? Verse 25 through 30 says, Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. Jesus says, I haven't changed my message. I'm still the same person that I always told you I was. I'm the same. I have many things to say and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man. When was that going to happen? When Jesus was put on the cross. When you've lifted up the Son of Man. He said, Then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. See, these people were out to get a name for themselves, to control people. Jesus wasn't about that at all. He was there to die on the cross, and he did. He was lifted up. Why would he do that? Because Jesus is the light of the world, and Jesus came to die for the sins of the world And he says in verse 29, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, I love what he says, many believed on him. So do you believe on Jesus? Some of you can tend to give up sometimes. And I do too. Well, I've told them over and over, they should know by now. I mean, I've told them seven times. Hey, if you're a parent, 
<laughs> let me let you in on a secret, right? You're going to have to tell your kids things more than seven times. It takes a long time. Why? Because they're not really listening. Jesus, over and over and over and over again, he tells them who he is. And he never changes his message. Because he's God. He said, I came to tell you what my father told me to tell you. My father's God. And this is the truth. And many believed on him. Jesus knew why he was there. He's the light of the world. Jesus knew why he had come. He had come to save sinners. Jesus had come to bring the message of God the Father to this world. We're in darkness without him. We need Christ. Some of you have tried culture. You've tried to do things differently. You've tried to follow different groups and do different things. Culture, you found, hopefully, if you haven't yet, you will find this. It brings darkness. Some of you have tried religion. I bet if we brought everybody up for an interview this morning, said, how many different types of churches have you visited? How many different places have you gone? What is, what is your view on religion? Well, I've learned some good things from this one and that one and the other one and this thing. Folks, religion doesn't have all the answers. Darkness. Some of you, you said, no, I don't follow the culture. I just want to be different. I'm not following any religion. I'm just going to be my own person. That brings darkness too. Jesus is the light of the world. So what do we do? Well, there are some people that say, well, we deny our sin. I'm just not that bad. I'm okay. Folks, when you're exposed to the light, you will see that you're not okay. You may feel okay because you don't have real light shining on you and your sin. Some of us like to blame shift. Well, it's not really my fault. It's him. The devil made me do it. That feels good, maybe. But it's not true. We sin because we're sinners. Some of us try to excuse our sin because of circumstances. Well, I just didn't have my coffee yet this morning. Or I took my personality test and I'm a J-E-R-K. Oh, wait. No, I just can't help it. Some of you will catch that later. Okay. I just can't help it. This is who I am. Folks, it's darkness. It's darkness. We can't excuse our sin because of circumstance. Some people say, well, I'm just being true to me. This is who I am. Who you are. Darkness. We must repent of who we are and follow the light. Confess our sin to Jesus. What's our option? Forgiveness. You say, well, I'm ashamed of what I've done. Ask for forgiveness. He'll take your shame. Well, you don't understand my struggle. He says, I'll take your struggle. You don't understand, I just feel empty inside. He'll fill you up. Jesus died to take that away. He is the light of the world. So walking in the light means walking in forgiveness, walking unburdened, walking changed, walking different because I have a new relationship. I'm a new person. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
The Bible says at the very end of the Bible, in the, in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 5, it says, and there shall be no night there. He's talking about heaven. They shall need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. Jesus Christ will be their light. I can't wait for that day, can you? We live in a world right now, the sun comes up, sun goes down, right? The African dust cloud blows over the Atlantic and we breathe it in and it makes it hazy, whatever that means. I think, why are we making such a big deal about this? You drive out in the country and see plenty of dust out there too, but somehow it's different because it blew over the Atlantic, so keep your pets inside. You know, I just, I laugh at that kind of stuff. I realize dust can affect us and all that, but don't we love to sensationalize things? Oh, dust. Yeah. Yeah, we live in a dusty world. Sun comes up, sun goes down. There's light, there's dark. We see it all around us. Some of you, when you go in your house, it's very dark. Some of you don't like to turn lots of lights on in your house. I've learned that trick too. You don't see the mess in the corner and all that stuff and you keep the lights turned on low. It's okay. But light is our hope. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our light. Jesus shows us what we need. Jesus brings hope in darkness. Jesus brings the light that will give you life, that will change you from the inside to the out, that will take you from beneath and help to point you up above where He wants you to go to follow Him. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness this morning, as we close our service in just a few moments, I'm going to ask you, give your life to Jesus. Follow him. Walk in the light.